Today's show is sponsored by distilleryproducts.com, your number one source for laser etched customized glassware. If you're a distillery, you probably already know about them. If you're a bourbon group or a store, what are you waiting for? Reach out to me. I'd love to get you in touch with Carson, Janie, Vicky, all the folks over at distilleryproducts.com. They hook us up with glasses. We want them to hook you up with glasses too because they're really good. I mean, it's the good stuff. It's not going to come off when you put it through the dishwasher, if that's how you wash your glasses, because this is deep cut into your glass. They have all sorts of things besides Glens. They have Glens too, but branch out. Check out some of the other stuff they have. I love the Perfect Dram. Find them at distilleryproducts.com. Feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to get you in touch with them. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends over at Orca Coors, and they're going to help you make this the cool with summer ever. You know why? Because every dad wants an awesome cooler to have at the barbecue if you're camping no matter where you're going and they have it. You want to be the envy of your barbecue party? Go ahead and do it. They have an Orca barrel tumbler. I mean the thing looks like a whiskey barrel. It's stainless steel. It is the perfect vessel for your top shelf whiskey or any beverage. The Orca barrel will keep your drink cool and fresh for up to 24 hours too. So like you could leave it there out in the hot sun all day. It's gonna be okay. Orca coors are also a necessity for the summer backyard get-togethers, lake days, and everything in between. They're roto molded and have integrated insulation so they're going to retain ice for days on end i know this because i've tried it go to orcacoolers.com and use the code dads 20 for 20 percent off your order that is orcacoolers.com use code dads 20 you're going to get 20 percent off your order orca for all of life's adventures Today's show is also sponsored by our friends over at Action 24-7, and if you want action, get in on the action with Action 24-7, Tennessee's only sports book by Tennesseans for Tennesseans. I mean, I could tell you there's other sports going on right now. I could tell you that there is NBA, there's NHL, there's soccer, there's table tennis, but y'all know it's March Madness, so I know what you're doing Use code DADS100. They will match up to 100 bucks of your first deposit. They have all sorts of other cool things with promotions going on and things if you bet on soccer or if you bet on the NHL. I mean, but it's March Madness. So go to action247.com. You never know what is going to happen. That is what I love about March, and that's what I love about March Madness. Who's going to be the Cinderella this year? Get in on the action with Action 24-7. Use code DADS100. Why would they remake Coming to America and not Beverly Hills Cop? And that's a great question. And if you've seen Coming to America too, I wish they made Beverly Hills Cop. It wasn't, I mean, it was good. It was funny. I just don't think, like, I wanted more Tracy Morgan, just didn't have the magic the first one had. Well, I mean, remakes often fail. So, I mean, as much as I'll complain about it, a large degree of me is happy that they haven't. Because, I mean, I don't know if Taggart's even still alive. Well, what do you mean they haven't? They made, like, four Beverly Hills cops. They weren't remakes. They were sequels or subsequent showing and coming to america 2 was a sequel of coming to america it was so far apart you have to call that a remake or a reboot or whatever it was a reboot re something (laughs) all right can we start the show now hey you i tried to and you you didn't roll the tape 
Hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards, and with me, as always, is Zeke Baker. And together, we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. How are you, my friend? I mean, at this very instance, when people are listening, I would like to say I, I'm going to be debating if I'm in better or worse shape than you. But I got to think it's probably going to be better, especially if this comes out at night or everybody listens at night, because you're going to be just like worn out and dilapidated by like 430. You don't understand what I did, because what I did here is the first day we're in the hotel. So I just get to enjoy the hotel pool. Then it's two days on Disney property. And then the last day we're, we're at the hotel again, just enjoying the pool. So you're not at the hotel while you're at Disney? You sleeping in like a bungalow or a team? No, we're at Dis. Sorry, we're on Disney property the whole time. We're not in the park all four days. So one day we're in the hotel, two days we're in the park, and then the last day we're just in the hotel again. Are you staying in the same hotel room all four days? Yes. I don't understand so how this doesn't make sense to you. It's we're just going to hang out in the hotel one day. Then two days, we're going to go hang out in the park. And then the last day, we're going to hang out in the hotel again. I think this is more of an at than an in kind of thing. Because in the hotel, is just like sitting in your room, like with the door locked, doing nothing. Whereas mm-hmm. at the hotel, there's at least activities. Why are you arguing semantics like a little ass? Because when you tell me the story, I paint a picture in my head. And and in the hotel, I just picture you being stuck in a hotel. No, because you forgot. I mean, if you want to pay attention to details, I would have said in the hotel room. In the hotel is talking about the hotel on a big scale like any place in the hotel. Well, I will end this strange topic with i hope that the hotel has a champagne room and that maybe you end up in it at some point i'm gonna end up in the gym at the hotel that's the only thing gym and pool that's pretty much it like tommy boy and have you seen the weight room pool 100 <laughs> percent anyways today we are drinking buzzards Roo straight rye it is mgp distillate but This was created by Jason Bronner, the co-owner of Bourbon's Bistro in Louisville, Kentucky. And anybody who's anybody knows that Bourbon's Bistro is a great bourbon bar in Louisville. And the bourbon was originally sourced by MGP. Later, it was rebarreled in brand new charred oak barrels that were custom ordered to Buzzard's Roost specifications. This is three years old, 105 proof. You know it's MGP, it's straight rye. The mash bill's undisclosed. I don't think that this is 95.5 when all is said and done. I mean, I have to think some of this is blended because just the way it tastes to me, but that's a different story altogether. What are your thoughts? We only have two rye mashes, right? That most of us know about anyway, or I think or I know about at least. If I know about a third, then I forgot about it. And that second rye, I thought it was a pretty low rye, but that's also much more recently made. I was thinking there's a 51% rye and then a 95.5. I mean, I don't know if it's the Rossville thing off the top of my head. There is a 51% rye, 45% corn, 4% barley malt. That is. Well, well, uh, I mean, by Rossville, like MGP started doing their own labels. They're putting some of their own juice out on their own. They have a rye product. Isn't that the Rossville line? I mean, whatever that line is, it has the other rye mash bill. So it is a blend of the 51% and the 95% in Rossville. Oh, where'd you find that all of a sudden? Pretty damn good at looking things up quickly. But are you as good as quickly 
closing out that screen. <laughs> no, my bourbon room has a lock on it. <laughs> you never know when the dogs are going to come in there. What did you think about this whiskey, Zeke Baker? Admittedly, working through this while bullshitting and uh, good and bad, the more we bullshit, the harder it is to think about what I'm doing. But nose-wise, I put down Rice Krispies and rye. And, I, and where I'm going with Rice Krispies is, you know, when you kind of first, you know, crack open that thing, <clears throat> you really get kind of the richness uh, of the, the corn and stuff in there. But you also pick up the malt just freshly coming off those because they're just, you know, so like covered in it. And I think that's what I pick up is that kind of rich, sugary malt aspect with the rye beneath it. My first notes on tasting this, and I will most likely write more when I punt the ball to you in a second. I just put down it, it's sweet rich and tart apples is the first thing that comes to mind i think that's pretty much by default it could be green or red or even a blend to play on the blend theme of 95.5 and the other 51 percent mash but as far as what i would call a typical rye profile or more importantly what a lot of us would think as a typical mgp rye profile i don't think this really comes to mind and now i'm going to go for round two while uh, you're on the clock so I will say there are aspects of this that I absolutely believe are 95.5. So when I first took a sip of this, you know, there's hints of the wintergreen and the pine. It's just not super pronounced. The first thing I thought of, and I know this mash bill is undisclosed. The first thing I thought of was this has to be a blend or something's different. And I would say it's like the wintergreen and the pine mixed with a little unsweet tea and a little bit of oak and that's the way i would sum that and it was just enough to take the biting of the wintergreen and pine that i normally don't like with a 95.5 like whatever they did to this was the perfect amount to set it back to make me really enjoy it like and we all know that i i'm not a big 95.5 guy just enough off kilter that i'm like i could really enjoy this most nights it's a good pour i'm in so working back through here the the only thing i kind of pick up different wise is i don't get much pine out of this really um i, I do get some of that kind of tackiness that's in some of the 95.5 rise where it is sticky almost like pine sap but i don't necessarily taste that that element but i think it really shows at the finish um, a big strong jolt of a uh, of cinnamon with some some wintergreen, kind of like a you know Wrigley's and Big Red put together or something. But that really jumps out at the finish. Uh, I think it's almost kind of a it it moves towards its rye features very passively. The front end I, I don't think shows a whole lot, but then like I say right there at the finish, uh, it just kind of jumps up and you know tags you a little bit, remind you, oh yeah, you're drinking a rye product, buddy. I get that. The other thing I wonder uh, that at least. I paid attention to in your play by player stats was the rebarreling. I think it'd be interesting to see what type of, you know, char or toast or if anything else was unique about this. Cause clearly, if they mention it, they felt it was important enough to, to be a necessary step in their process. Well, they didn't mention uh, it. Other people mentioned it. They don't really have a website to talk about this. Well, somebody let the cat out of the bag. Either way, it's, if it's out there, then that's an interesting step that clearly a lot of places don't take or feel necessary. But if they did, then I think it would be a, an interesting topic to, to hear, you know, what led them to uh, 
that step in their process. Well, actually, they do talk about it on their website. So they start by sourcing the best aged whiskey we can find, but the real magic is in our barrels. We use only brand new 53-gallon white oak barrels that are carefully toasted and very lightly charred. Each one is designed from the ground up to deliver a specific flavor profile. We work closely with our cooperage to tweak every parameter of the barrel from the seasoning to the charring to the development of our custom toast profiles. All of our barrels are unique and proprietary to our company, giving Buzzard's Roost truly one-of-a-kind flavor. After resting only a few weeks in our new barrels, the whiskey is purposefully transformed and ready for bottling. I'm not completely blown away by the whiskey, but that aside, to a, a, a different and larger discussion we've had off and on for a few th- shows now, more and more people are going to be getting juice from similar or the same sources, uh, so more of it's going to taste quite similar. Here's people that, you know, openly and admittedly sourcing, which is great, then taking it a step further by blending two different mash bills, then even going one step further and doing a unique rebarrel process. Well, and we don't know if they blend. I, I want to make oh. sure we don't know. It tastes like a blend to me. It may not be. Um, some of the, the, the four-year stuff that I've had uh, through NBC – I get a huge Washington red apple component out of it. I mean, I've really liked some of it as a completely unique product almost to me. And that's 95.5 as well. Either way, kind of the the point I just wanted to, you know, think about was, you know, this is where you're really taking distilling out of the question and not focusing on that as far as what you can do, what kind of product you can kind of deliver. But this is taking all the other factors and as well as incorporating your own or others' palettes so to speak and really doing everything else to you know more or less the same you know product that other people are starting with fair i think there's something to be said and i think chattanooga has kind of taught us that that toasting and charring is something that really imparts different flavors on the whiskey and don't count it out like don't discount it i i think that it really plays a big role how much you char and how much you toast the barrel prior to aging well, whiskey in it i mean everybody's playing with it look at heaven hill i mean the past last year's parkers as well as the most are the only new elijah craig release in some time or both of those toasted so it, it's something on everybody's radar you know the big boys may not be as quick to put it out or, or you know deviate from the mainstream and their main <laughs> financial pipelines it's clearly stuff that everyone's thought about. And as the bourbon boom just keeps moving, everyone's looking into other little subtle changes they can do here and there uh, just to, you know, diversify their, their own products and product lines. Yeah. I'm all for that. I mean, the more innovation, the better. I'm 100% with you. And I'm 100% for people trying new things and trying to play around with stuff. I, I think it's great that people do it. This rye comes in at 50 bucks and you know for me i think that's a fine price for it i like the, the taste strength no this is not barrel strength this is a single barrel they have a barrel strength that's 113 to 116 proof well it's from a single barrel but as you pointed out on a chat recently it, it can't be called single barrel whiskey if two barrels are used right so it is a single barrel of rye that was re-barreled 
So you could still call it a single barrel. You just can't rye, call it. Rye gets away with things bourbon can't. No, bourbon, you could still call it a single barrel. That's what I said in that discussion group we had. It's still a single barrel of bourbon that was re-barreled, but it is no longer bourbon when you re-barrel it. You have to call it whiskey. So you could have single barrel bourbon re-barreled in another barrel. But then it's not bourbon, it's whiskey. Yes, but... It's like how Angel's Envy says straight bourbon aged in port wine casks. It really should be whiskey when it's aged in the port wine cask, but they get around it by saying straight bourbon aged in casks. I mean, I get it. Sorry if this drug on for anybody, but I I think at least uh, John Lyle will agree that the takeaway at the end of the day is there's still no bourbon police. Folks could almost put whatever they want and they're not going to get arrested, quote unquote. And most importantly, either it's good or it's bad and you want to drink it. We'll leave it at that. TTB is going to start arresting people soon. Yeah, if that's the case, I'm sure you've applied for a spot, right? Hell yeah. Big cat here. Open your doors. (laughs) (laughs) Zeke, are you buying this at 50 bucks or no? I'm on the fence. I hadn't played that card in a while, so I'm I'm going to burn it. I, I, I'm impressed by this. I would really like to have those folks on at some point, and I'm sure they won't tell us all the ins and outs of you know proprietary things. But this is the type of innovation that I really like to to, to see and hear about. As we you know said over and over, there's only going to be so many sources for juice, but there's a lot of people getting in the the market in the game right now. Either you just put out the same thing as everybody else, or or you find you know new and innovative ways to to craft your own product out of the original base product and, and and have something unique. And that's what I really appreciate right now. Well, I'm 100% in on this. And when I find a rye like this that doesn't taste so MGP 95.5 to me, I'm in 50 bucks. I think is a solid price to pay for this. So I am a buy. And we want to thank the folks over at Buzzard's Roost for sending this our way. We really appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcast. Chances are you already have because you're listening to us right now. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? I'm still hanging out here in good old Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, Big Cat still sitting up in the buzzard roost uh, eating a turkey leg in uh, the animal kingdom. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Cheers. Ciao.